Welcome to the Psychology World Podcast. I'm Connor Whiteley, bringing you with psychology news, articles and other interesting psychology related articles. You where I can find the podcast notes and more interesting psychology related things and you can get your free 8 psychology book box set at connorwhiteley.net. Now let's get on to the show. everyone and welcome to episode 48 of the psychology world podcast with me Connor Whiteley and today's episode is on reframing the diagnosis so this is a great topic to do with clinical psychology and abnormal psychology and I really really enjoyed it so hopefully you will too so more on that in a minute but onto the psychology news section which says some really interesting ones today and as always because this is the only place I actually read from it's a British Psychological Society Research Digest so the first one which I quite like is that the shape of a glass can influence how much we drink. Now, I don't drink, but I think this is still really interesting. So, recent years have seen the government take measures to try and limit people's consumption of sugary drinks and other unhealthy foods. Take the so-called sugar tax, placed on soft drinks, for example, or the proposal to ban adverts for junk foods before the 9pm watershed, and that's actually quite a recent one here in the UK. Some psychologists hope that small changes in design can help nudge people into healthier behaviours. For example, a study from last year found that the order in which drinks are presented in the McDonald's menus can often encourage people to choose sugar-free options more often. And to be honest, I think that is down to pure laziness because if you have a drink at the top that sounds really nice and you might like it, but that one's sugar-free, then chances are you will probably drink that one. One that can appear to be in through all 20 lists of the drinks right down to the bottom one to find the one that's packed most full of sugar. It's just a fault. Yeah, so a new paper in a scientific um in a, right in a scientific report suggests that the shape of a glass could also subtly influence people's drinking behaviour. Oh, drinking behaviour. And this I can sort of see in my own um family for example. So this is actually like quite good because if you have a really small glass, then come on, you are going to fill it up. And because it's such a small glass, you're going to drink more because you think, well, I've only had a, I've only had a like, small amount, so I'm going to drink it. Compared to if you had a massive, massive glass, which can fit an, well, which can almost fit an entire bottle, then chances are that's all you're going to drink the entire night is because you know it's a massive glass. So you're going to drink less because, because you don't want your friends and family to judge you for drinking so much. And then the other one that we're going to do is small pleasures are just as important for our well-being as long-term goals. And because I just remembered I didn't mention the date of recording, it's the Thursday the 20th of August 2020 as I record this. So, sorry for that interruption. Let's go back to this bit. So small pleasures are just as important for our well-being as long-term goals. When it comes to leading a happy and fulfilled life, many of us focus on long-term goals. What job we want, whether or not we want children, or how to reach a certain level of skill and a particular hobby or interest. There's a reason so much research looks at how to achieve the things that you value in life. As such, often we try to reduce short-term pleasures, deeming them a distraction from loftier goals. But according to a study in Personality and Social Psychology um, Bulletin, the pursuit of those more immediate pleasures can be just as important for our well-being. So this one I actually quite like because short-term pleasures are actually really important because what's the point of life if you focus on this great 20-year goal 
if you're not going to get any pleasure for 20 years for 20 years also if you're struggling to reach your goal or your goal then and let's say i don't know apply let's honestly say that you're at a 20 year goal and you want to say in 20 years time you want to become the head clinical psychologist in the uk i'm not even sure there's such thing but let's just say that there is for this time so you're five years in and you're finding it really difficult to be able to get to this level and because you're not getting any pleasure chances are you would just give up because who would want to go and have 15 years struggling and not finding pleasure in this but here's the thing if you got small amounts of a pleasure for example yes i feel like example if you took great pleasure in a discharging patients because you've helped them to have a better and happier life so you're getting small amounts of a pleasure as you go you're going to love this a 20 year ago and you're going to enjoy it more and you're going to be more committed so that's just one example that i think is uh, quite interesting so that's enough for the psychology news section so let's move on to the personal update So moving on to the personal update. So, but this week has been a very, very um, busy week, and I just want to say that the reason why I'm recording this on a Thursday instead of a Friday is that my parents are going away for a nice romantic weekend tomorrow to Monday. So I have the weekend myself, and I have a lot of great projects lined up. So I just, just so I can focus on them. That and most of the projects do benefit you. So I just want to focus on them, deliver as good as I can on those projects which I should be announcing next week. I'll be like, there's what? Yeah, we're like, there's this one massive project I'm so, I'm so excited about. Yes, which I've sort of mentioned before, so I'm doing a Kickstarter, which is crowdfunding. But I will talk to you more about that next week. So that's, yes, I'm just really, really looking forward to. So moving on to the more relevant bits to do with psychology. It's that if you sign up to my email list at connorwhiteley.net, then you will get your free eight book psychology series. I know I mentioned that last week, but for some reason I just wanted to mention it again. I don't know what I have because this week I've finished um, updating the email stuff for my fiction side, so that's actually quite good. So like, if you wanted to, yes, like in case you wanted to check out my fiction, but then you can also get the free and exclusive short story at connorwhitely.net. So for something that I actually wanted to mention at all, it's actually the current state of the world. So as always, I truly, truly hope that you're all safe and you're all well, wherever you are in the world. And that includes you and your families. Your families Is that today I like went out with my mum because we needed to go downtown and I needed to do summer banking. And something that I quite realised is that, so to be honest, we probably saw a good few hundred people, but there were only two people who didn't wear masks. So I think at least in the UK, we're getting to this point of acceptance, like we know this is the new normal, nothing's going to change for a bit, so we know that this is how we need to behave, which I think is actually quite interesting, yes, and it definitely supports what I said in the government response psychology to COVID-19 episode, I did a, quite a few shows back now, well, so I think that the thing to question this week, and just as you're living your lives, is to just think, well, well, if going out shopping has changed has changed this much and we've accepted it as the normal as the new normal i wonder what else have we accepted without necessarily realizing it that or we just accept that it's a necessary evil to protecting ourselves our families and everyone else so that's something to think about and on the formulation front well i finally started on the formulation book 
I'm about a third of the way through with the book and I'm really, really enjoying it. At first I thought, oh well, I like this. I'd just be writing a book and I think it'd, I think it'd be really like enjoyable. But when I actually started to write it, I didn't actually realise how much I was going to enjoy writing this book because formulation is a passion of mine. So I definitely, definitely, definitely would do a chapter, sorry, a podcast episode on it. On it, so I'm a quarter of the way through with the book. I've done three chapters, and over the weekends I hope need like another chapter because I'll be a third of the way through. I'm sort of committing to the very latest start of October for getting that out. So if you're interested in clinical psychology and formulation, yes, have a good night. Please, I keep listening. That and when the book's available for pre-order, I will announce it. And then the final thing is AI. So I've been talking about AIs and the advancements in AIs for quite a while. But I found out recently that the Descript, which is the voice double thing, actually has a seven day free trial. So, I, so I'm sort of, I don't know, next week might be an episode on like my predictions of how AI will impact our behaviour. Because I know exactly how it's going to affect the writing and author side. But this is a psychology podcast, so how, yeah, so like, how will this advancement in AI affect our human behaviour? And if I do do a uh, episode on artificial intelligence next week, I sort of just want to do a like proof of a concept because in uh, the mainstream, the advancements in AIs and like what's happening isn't well. It's just not as spoken about mainly because it's not mainstream and it won't affect us just yet. But I think I'm really, I'm definitely going to attempt to do a podcast episode on artificial intelligence next week. Yes, I really hope that you're as excited about that as I am. Wrap it up with today's podcast sponsor, which I make it sound really quite grand that someone's actually decided to sponsor this podcast, but it's not really, it's just that. Yeah, but it's just one of my own um, books. So finally, my Abnormal Psychology book, second edition, on Audible. Yes, like this happened like last week so i'm finally able to tell you and because audible has a member sale or member sale you can currently get this book for two pounds sixty or two because there's a member sale for the next um 11 days so if you're an audible listener then please help me yes and also if you wanted to support me further and actually get this on audible and get an audible subscription then please contact me because if you use a like a special link then i get an affiliate payment at no extra cost to you. Yes, and that also goes for all of my audiobooks on Audible. And this audiobook is also available on Google Play, Kobo, and it's also available for free at your local library. So, but this is the blurb. Do you want to know the causes of depression? Do you want to know how mental conditions are treated? Do you want to know about anxiety and its types? If the answer is yes to any of these questions and more, then this is the book for you, as you'll learn about clinical psychology, abnormal psychology, and a lot more in an easy to understand way. By the end of this book, you will know what causes depression and other mental conditions and how they're treated and more. Bye today to learn about this truly interesting topic. Note, this audiobook is perfect for listening on at your commute or whilst you do exercise to go for a jog, do the housework or if you just want an easy listen before you go to bed. And there's a tons of content, content for example, the history of mental disorders, the diagnosis work, um, the biological, psychological and social causes of depression. It also goes into anxiety disorders, schizophrenia and just a lot more. So, yeah, a lot more. So if you want to learn about abnormal psychology and if you also like the sound of my voice, because I was like, um, 
Yes, episode also narrated. Then please check out Abnormal Psychology Second Edition, um, available on Audible, Amazon, Kobo, Google Play, and you can get it for free at your local library. So well, let's move on to the content part of today's episode. Moving on to the content part of today's episode, we're going to be talking about reframing diagnosis and why this is really, really helpful to clients, patients and mental health sufferers. And as always, I'll be using the term clients because I think that's a lot less judgmental. And to be honest, the term patient, I don't agree with because that implies there's something wrong with them. And mental health problems, I'm of the school of thought that there's nothing wrong with the person. They're experiencing difficulties and it's our job as people interested in psychology to help them and not to say that there's something messed up. And that's the job for psychiatry. But of course, I'm joking because psychiatry is a really valid alternative to psychology. If it's an alternative at all, because it combines it. I don't know. So let's just dive into today's episode. So in other world, there's a lot of a stigma around everything. Well, everything such as um, who you date, so your mental health and everything pretty much everything about you you're going to be stigmatized about quite a lot of stuff and you're going to be judged and you will exit yes that and you're also quite likely to experience prejudice and tons of other horrible biases but mental health is especially stigmatized because if you go to treatment then you are stigmatized as a weak messed up person and unlike physical health problems where people come to support you if you suffer from mental health you will be abandoned and nobody really cares. Nobody wants anything to do with you. At least that's what I've heard. <laughs> so ultimately, this is a massive barrier to treatment because why would you want to go to treatment if you're going to be stigmatized and you're going to be treated badly? So this is a, yeah. so this is a problem that we need to deal with. But that's a, that's sort of a topic for another episode. We're going to, as in this episode, we're going to be talking about the self-stigma that somebody feels because if somebody goes to treatment, they're going to see their diagnosis as a label that they're messed up. They need there is something wrong with them. That's and they're going to feel weak and disempowered. And it's the job of the therapist to make them feel strong and disempowered. And it's the job of the therapist to help change the perception of the client on their diagnosis. Uh, diagnosis because the, because the therapist needs to make sure that their client sees their diagnosis as a massive benefit to them. Because... If a client only focuses on the negative, then they will never see the positive of the diagnosis. For example, because of their diagnosis, they can get access to support, um, um, support groups, disability allowance perhaps, and many other benefits that they didn't have before. For example, what they might not have had, they might not have had the ability to go and talk to like-minded people. It's like if you're depressed then also it might be great to talk about uh, depression with other people. If you're autistic or you've got or if you've got AD, or if you've got ADHD, then it would be amazing just to go and talk to other people who suffer the same difficulties than you do. Yeah, so like that's why I'm getting at when I'm talking about the positives. So yes. So ultimately changing the client's perception is a crucial to breaking the stigma, whether this self stigma or stigma that other people give you and also by helping clients change their perception about the diagnosis this can increase their self-sufficiency and self-esteem because if you change their perception then they know they are strong and they are empowered they are this great strong courageous person as i see because 
they did the very, very hard job that tons of people don't do. They went to someone and they said, please help me. I need help. Because that alone, I think, takes so much courage. And I admire those people because they're courageous enough to forget about the stigma and forget about the judgment. And they're able to actually realise for themselves that, yes, they need help. And yes, there might be downsides. Yes, but at least they're trying to make their lives better. And that, I think, is just such a great thing. Thing. And then the final thing that I want to say is, well, say is, is that if clients become more positive about their diagnosis, then they become more active in recovery, and they can act as role models to people to help them break their stigma. That I think is really, really important. So if you're interested in clinical psychology and abnormal psychology, then hopefully you've enjoyed today's episode. I know I really enjoyed it. And even if you don't plan to go into clinical or abnormal psychology, then I hope you still found today's episode useful. So please consider checking out my abnormal psychology second edition audiobooks. audiobooks and always feel free to contact me at by emailing me at conwhitely at conwhitely.net or tweet me at sci-fi on Twitter. So have a great day and I'll see you next time. Thanks for listening today. I hope you enjoyed it. If you want to see the show notes, then please go to conorwhitely.net. And if you want a free Ada book psychology box set, then please go to conorwhitely.net. Have a great day and I'll see you next time.